Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Into our our message for today, and um, we have been in a series called Open Door. Can y'all say Open Door? Thank you, Pastor Joe. And in this series, we have really, really been leaning in to the possibility that uh, God wants to open up some more doors in our lives. Come on, how many believing that God wants to open up more doors in our lives? And so we're just believing that um, in this series, we're going to see God open these doors for us, that he's not done with us yet, that the best is still to come. And yet today, I got to be honest with you, in my preparation, today's message is going to feel a little bit different because we're going to deal with something that we all struggle with. But what I really believe is going to happen is I believe people are going to be healed today. Okay, I got one amen. Is there anyone else out there that believes we're gonna be, some people are going to get healed today? Come on, we got we to gotta raise the level of our expectation. How many know that God meets us at the level of our expectation? So if you ain't expecting nothing from God, don't be surprised when you don't get anything from God. Come on, how many believe God's going to heal someone today? There it is. And, and so today we're going to deal with a tough topic. Let me read some scriptures to you, and then we're going to dive in. But I believe today is going to be such a pivotal day for our church. And I believe it's going to be a day that's going to mark many of you. I know this word's not for everybody, but it is for somebody. And I believe today is going to be a crossroads for some of you here. And you're never going to go through life the same by the time we get to the end of this message. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 11 through 17. And the scriptures are up behind me, or you can follow along on your Bibles or your phones. It says, one day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, Call the Shunammite. Can you all say Shunammite? Explain that name in just a moment. So he called her and she stood before him. Elijah said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. In other words, she was saying, I'm good. Don't need you to speak to anybody for me. What can be done for her? Elijah asked his servant Gehazi. Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. Come on, we got one of the first sugar daddies identified in scripture. I mean, like, it was worth pointing out. He's like, husband's old, okay? And she wants a kid. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood at the doorway. This is what Elisha tells her. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. Now, I want you to listen to her reply. She says, no, my Lord, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that I'm entitling, at the doorway of disappointment. At the doorway of disappointment. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to every single person that is here? Father, as I speak to this audience, would you speak to the individual? You, Lord God, are going to meet them right in their area of need. 
And so, Father, I just pray that every heart would be open, our ears and our spirits would be willing to receive of you. We ask all of this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time, everybody. You may be seated at the doorway of disappointment. How many of you remember the last time you were disappointed? If you're a Charger fan, you shouldn't have to think back that far. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's a low blow. We've all, we've all dealt with uh, disappointment. Cowboys, you too. Okay, you too, Cowboys. You had no business losing to the Packers last week. No, but this was your year. Remember you said Super Bowl. Anyway, we all know what it feels like to be disappointed. And let me tell you about disappointment. Let me let you in a little bit on something about disappointment. We all have the same cause of disappointment. You might be thinking, no, 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 pastor. My disappointment's different than the next person. No, it really isn't. You see, disappointment all stems from the same root, and that root is you expected more. You expected more. Whenever you expect more than what you get, that leads to disappointment. Some of you are going to go to a restaurant for lunch today, having vegetarian because you're Daniel fasting, and uh, it's not going to be good, and you're going to be like, I expected more. You get what I'm saying? That's disappointment. Maybe you were in a relationship, and you just came out of it, and you're disappointed. Why? You expected more. Are you tracking with me? All disappointment is, comes out of the same root, and the root is that we expected more. And I believe today, though I've been talking about things that are kind of superficial, I believe today God wants to peel back the layers of sometimes the facade that we wear, the, the, the impression that we're trying to give off. And what I believe God wants to do today is deal with areas of your life where you have struggled with disappointment. That's why I said today is going to be a day where I believe many people are going to be healed. That's why I said today is a day where I believe God is going to deal with some people in their area of disappointment because many people will carry their disappointment and never be healed from their disappointment. Many people will carry their disappointment and just kind of bury it behind other things that you do to keep yourself busy. You bury the disappointment and and the goals and the ambition that you have. But I believe today is the day that God wants to deal with your disappointment. So let's go to the story in 2 Kings. In 2 Kings, we read the story about a Shunammite woman. Now, I had you say her name because I think we can identify a bit with this woman. I'll explain that. She saw that there was a man named Elisha a prophet who was coming in and out of her town. And every time Elisha came in and out of her town, she tells her husband, we really ought to do something for him. Now, if you're wondering, what, you know, does, does Elisha drive trucks? Why is he coming in and out of her town? Well, what is he all about? Well, Elisha is a prophet. And who the prophets were, these are people that spoke on behalf of God. So they would hear from God, and they would go to the people, and they would prophesy to the people, and typically the prophet's message was simply to get people to return to the Lord. That was their message. You see, biblical prophets are much different than 2024 prophets. 2024 prophets want to prophesy houses and cars and relationships and all kinds of silly things that I don't think God's in. It's not to say that God doesn't want to bless you, but it doesn't look anything like biblical prophets. The biblical prophets always call people back to repentance and call them back to the Lord. That was Elisha. So every time he came in and out of town, he was coming in and out of town because he was coming to deliver a word from the Lord. Now let's go back to this woman. This woman sees him. Now she must have been a good cook because she says to her husband, hey, every time he's in town, why don't we have him come over for dinner? Or why don't we have him come over for lunch? I think she had that cooking gift. 
Y'all know the cooking gift, right? How many of y'all got an aunt that's got that cooking gift? Or maybe you're the person with the cooking gift where it's like nobody gets to cook for the family get-togethers but that aunt. You know what I mean? She is just the cook. I think this was her. I think she had the family cooking gift. And so she thought the best thing that I could do is serve this man. Now, notice what we find in the text. The Bible just simply calls her the Shunammite woman. She doesn't have a name. The Bible doesn't give us her name. Unlike Ruth, unlike Naomi, unlike Esther, unlike one of the Marys or Martha, we don't know her name. She's just a person who decided to serve the prophet. And I think anytime we get this level of lack of detail, it, has, it, it, it gives us the unique perspective to maybe reflect or identify with this lady. You see, because she wasn't a leader. She wasn't a person of renown. Here we are years later, decades later, centuries later, talking about her, but we can't even name drop. We don't know who she is. And maybe some of you have felt that way. Maybe you have felt like, you know, I'm just a person, but I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't own a business. I don't have a lot of social media followers. I don't do crazy dances on TikTok in order for likes. That's not me. Okay, that's just not me. I'm just an ordinary person. Well, then you can identify with this woman. You can identify with her. Because when Elisha was getting ready to talk to her, he tells his servant this, call the Shunammite. Like, this dude couldn't even call her by her name. I know he knew her name, but he was unwilling to acknowledge her by her name. He simply said, call the Shunammite. And, and, and he does that because he wants to have a conversation with her. Well, what leads him to this conversation? Let me unpack a little more of her story. So this woman who's just this very ordinary woman, this, this person that doesn't have a lot of influence, she decides, I want to serve this man. So 2 Kings 4.8, this is when it says, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. Here's what we also know about this woman. She was a good cook. How do we know that? Because the Bible says he kept coming back over and over again. Come on, you would not keep going back to someone's house when they're cooking for you if their meals were bad, right? You'd find a way out of it. You'd be like, you know, the foot long, buy one, get one free on the app right now. You know what I mean? Just not going to go there. I only know that because I'm fasting and I'm thinking about food, okay? And so, uh, and so, you know, he's got options, but he keeps coming back to this woman's house. And I want you to catch something here. I want you to catch something about this very ordinary woman. She decided to do something that felt very ordinary for her because cooking was in her wheelhouse. Cooking was something that she could do. And let me just tell you something. Sometimes serving God can feel very ordinary. Sometimes serving God can feel very ordinary. Some of you are like, I'm just setting out cones in the parking lot. Surely this is a very ordinary thing. Maybe I'm just on the cafe team here at the church. I'm just making coffee. It's all very ordinary ordinary. Or, you know, I'm just on the welcome team. I just help people fill out guest cards. It's all very ordinary. But let me tell you, this woman begins to make it into the Bible because she was faithful to the ordinary. And let me tell you something, your ordinary matters to God. Let me tell you something, Lighthouse Church, your ordinary matters to God. I don't know what it is in the church where we have put a premium on people who stand on the platform, not so in the eyes of God. Do you want to know the people that God chose, uh, the people that God selected when he was looking for leadership and when he was looking for people to do great things? He always selected people who were doing the ordinary. Come on, where did he find David? David was taking care of his father's sheep. King David was doing something very 
ordinary. This prophet, Elisha, as a matter of fact, was called when he was plowing his father's field. He was out there doing yard work. And the prophet passed him by. Elijah throws his cloak on him, says, come and follow me. What was he doing? He was doing the ordinary thing. Let me tell you something, Lighthouse Church. God sees you when you are faithful. God sees you when you are consistent. God sees you when you're doing the things that you think is very ordinary. Can I peel this back just a layer further, Lighthouse Church? There have been a lot of studies that show that most of you were making up a, 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 a um, you were making the decision in your mind whether or not you would ever come back to Lighthouse Church long before I got on this platform. You guys were already making decisions about this church when you got into the parking lot. When people greeted you or didn't greet you, when people smiled at you, the way people talked to you, the way people engaged you, most people within the first two and a half minutes of visiting a church will make up a decision whether or not they ever want to come back to this church. So for everybody on our dream team that feels like I'm doing something ordinary, no, you are not. You are reaching people and you are touching lives and you are making a difference. Come on, give yourselves a round of applause if you are doing what you think might be the ordinary. Look at your neighbor and tell them your gift matters. Your gift matters. I don't care if you think I am just on the setup team. Your gift matters. And here is this ordinary woman doing a very ordinary thing. And I want you to see what happens next. This woman decides after having the prophet come and visit her so many times that she wanted to do something a little bit more for him. So I'm going to narrate this story, but I'm going to give it some 2024 context, okay? Let me contextualize this for today. So that woman sitting down with her husband, she said, you know, that prophet sure likes coming to eat here, but every time we feed him, we got to send him on his way. What if we use that room upstairs? Honey, you know that room with that exercise bike that you and I both know you ain't touching? You said new year, new you. It's the 21st. You still have yet to hit one pedal on that bike. You know that exercise bike where it's only just holding up your laundry that you need to fold and put away and hang? Y'all parents know what I, some of you dads know what I'm talking about. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You, you got good intentions. She's like, what if we put that away and we made a space for the prophet to stay the night? And the husband wanted to clap back, but he had no response. She's right. He hadn't tested that exercise bike. There's cobwebs all over it. He's like, okay, you know what, let's just go ahead and make room for the prophet. So that's what they do. They, they, they make a space for the prophet. And the Bible goes on to say and tell us that now the prophet, every time he'd come and have a meal, he'd go upstairs and catch a nap. I mean, it, it's, it, some of the details in, these, in this story is amazing. Because I think I, have uncle, I, think I, I had an uncle uh, much like this prophet growing up. It's like he'd always show up when the food was ready and he would catch a nap upstairs. Anyway, that's, but he wouldn't deliver the word of God. That's neither here nor there. But, but Elisha would come and um, he got very comfortable coming and serving uh, uh, and being served by this woman. But I want you to catch what happens is while this woman was doing the ordinary, she says to her husband, I want to do something more for the man of God. And here's what I believe, Lighthouse Church. When you are doing the ordinary, when you are doing the thing that you might think is just so little, it's insignificant, I believe when you do those things, God will begin to call you into the insignificant. Meaning, God will move you from the ordinary into the extraordinary. God will call you out of the place where you think what you're doing is super ordinary. And he's saying, now I want to move you to a new place. And, but in order for me to do that, I need you to make room for me. See, here's what I know. God, the, the purpose and the plan of God is never in your comfort zone. I'll say that one more time on this side of the room over here, okay? The purpose and the plan of God is never within your comfort zone. In your comfort zone, it's a safe place. 
And God doesn't want to move in the place that is safe to you. God wants to move you outside of your comfort zone. He wants to move you into a place that is uncomfortable. And then he wants to use you for his honor and for his glory and to accomplish his purpose here on earth. But that never happens in your comfort zone. Now, we don't like to leave our comfort zone, do we? We don't. A lot of you guys, when I said we're going into 21 days of prayer and fasting, you said fast. Ooh, that's an F word. We don't do fasting. We don't do fasting. Not in our house. We do feasting. But God's got to move you out of your comfort zone in order to reveal his greater plans that he has for your life. And as long as you are unwilling to get out of your comfort zone, you'll miss out on what God wants to do for you. Listen, having people stay over at your house, I don't know, maybe some of you like hosting, but it's different inviting them over to lunch and then having them stay the night, isn't it? If they're going to stay the night, that you, you got to get the room cleaned, we got to get sheets, we got to get we got to get towels ready. You're not giving them your son's towel that he had just used five times during the week. You're getting fresh towels. You know what I'm saying? Or at least I hope. I hope. And so there's, there's all this stuff that we have to do, but what we do when we are doing that is we are making room. Everybody say make room. And I believe, Lighthouse Church, that the purpose of this fast is to reveal to you that it's time for you to make room. It's time for you to make room. You see, there's a difference between the prophet coming and having a meal and the prophet coming and staying. You see, when you make room for God, what you're doing is you are making a space. You are creating a space for God to abide. Everybody say abide. See, abide is so much different than coming for a meal. You can come to church every single Sunday and not have God abide with you in your life. Because the, the, the extent of your relationship, the, the extent of your followership with Jesus is your one-hour Sunday worship experience. And pastor, don't you dare go over that hour. But when we want God to abide with us, we have to make room in our life that says, Father, I appreciate the time that I spend with you in community with my church family. But I want for you to abide with me Monday through Saturday. I want to abide with you throughout the week. I want to abide with you every morning. First thing I do when I get up is I want to be in your presence, Lord. I want to abide with you. Before I go to sleep, I'm not doom scrolling on social media. No, I am abiding. I'm in my word. I'm in prayer. I'm abiding in the presence of God. Throughout the day, if I got to get up and take a prayer walk, I do that. Why? Because I am living a life of abiding with him. And what I hope a fast does for all of us is a fast reveals to us where the priorities in our life need to be shifted so that there will be less of us in our life and more of Jesus and more of him. Just like that song we sang just a minute ago, just give me Jesus. What a beautiful song to sing. But it's a travesty if you only sing the song on Sunday only to shut him out Monday through Saturday. If you want more of Jesus, you make room in your life. So you say to him, come and abide. This woman did not feel the desire to make room for him until she did the ordinary. When she did the ordinary, she began to make room for the extraordinary, which leads us to the climax of the story. You see, she had served the prophet and his servant Gehazi so well that the prophet said to Gehazi, Gehazi, we need to do something for this woman. Call her up here. I want to bless her. I want to honor her. I want to repay her for just how well she has served us. And the Bible records that the woman comes up to where the prophet was lodging, and he asks her, I want to bless you. I'm going to paraphrase some of this, but he tells her, I want to bless your life. What can I do for you? Would you like for me to put in a good word with you with the king? Or how about with the commander of the army? That's in the text. I can put in a good word. Surely they'll bless you. Surely they'll recognize you. Hey, maybe they'll give you a key to the city and make, make a day out of the year one of your days. Look at her response. Her response is, no, I'm good. I'm good. 
And on the surface, you might think that this is a person who's content. This is a person who doesn't need that sort of recognition. This is a person that doesn't need that sort of acknowledgement. When we read the story, we realize that when she said, no, I'm good, it's because she was dealing with deeper issues that knowing the king and knowing the commander of the army couldn't do anything about. You know, there are some issues that you can carry that money can't fix. And, and, and someone could say to you, let me give you a, a bag full of cash to ease your pain. And you tell them, no amount of money can heal the trauma that was done to me when I was a child. That's what this woman was carrying. See, no, no amount of money is going to make me feel better about the marriage that I blew up and lost. No amount of money is going to make me feel better about my child who died. That's what she was saying. She wasn't saying, I'm content with what I'm having. No, no, no. What she was saying is, no amount of money can fill the void that I have in my heart because of the dis disappointment that I'm carrying. Because I've lost something so great. I've lost something so deep. Money can't even scratch the surface of my pain. And there are some of you here that can relate. You don't want money to deal with the disappointment you've had to carry in your life. You want that child you couldn't have. You want a second chance at that relationship that you blew up. You're disappointed of your children that you hurt because your addiction broke relationships with them. You can identify with this woman. But what I love about this is the prophet discerning what is going on. He says to Gehazi, oh, there's a deeper issue at work here. I'm coming to close now. There's a deeper issue at work here. Why don't we ask her again? There's, there's got to be something we can do for her. And then the servant tells Elisha, she wants a kid. She, she wants a kid. This lets us know that this well-to-do woman, which the Bible called her a well-to-do woman, this lets us know this well-to-do woman had done everything in her power to try and conceive. Tried medicine. Tried doctors. Went on a baby moon. All the things that you can do. And yet, no child. You see, she's carrying a disappointment. She's carrying a hurt. And, and the Bible says this. The Bible says that when he calls her to the room, the Bible says that she stands at the doorway. Everybody say the doorway. When she comes to the prophet's room, she doesn't even step into the room because she's standing at the doorway of disappointment. So the prophet says to her, at this time next year, you're going to have a baby. And what is her response? I'm paraphrasing, but she's saying, no do not disappoint me with that. She is so broken that she's saying, no, don't say that to me. And she's saying that because she's tired of getting her hopes up. She's, she's so tired of having this expectation that things are going to work out. She's so tired of believing, of getting her, her hope and her faith up only to be let down again and again, and again, and again. And she is standing at the doorway of disappointment because she's unwilling to step into the room where the prophet is. And that's where some of you are. And it's not the prophet, but it's God that's in the room. It's the Lord that's in that room. And you're afraid to step into the room because you've been so disappointed. You don't want to now project that disappointment on the Lord. I'll stay here at the doorway where it's safe. I won't go in the room because I can't stand another letdown. 
I'll just stay here where my heart won't be broken again. I'll stay here so that my soul won't be crushed again. I'd rather stay here at the doorway of disappointment. You see, the doorway of disappointment represents our place of, un- of unanswered prayers. Pastor, you, kept, you said it was going to be my year, but it didn't happen. Pastor, you said this was going to be the year, and, and it didn't happen, Pastor. What am I supposed to do? How, how, how am I supposed to feel when time after time after time I've been disappointed? Or maybe it's not anything that has continued to happen, but it is something that has been buried in your past, something that was done to you at the hands of someone who should have never hurt you, and yet you've never healed. You've never overcome the trauma. And you've, maybe some of you are like, I'm not even going to step into a time of fasting. I tried that. That didn't work. And so you're not just standing at the doorway of disappointment, but you're living at the doorway of disappointment. You've taken up residence there. <laughs> you come to church with a smile on your face, but man, you're fragile. Just so fragile. One wrong look, one, one thing said to you, said the way. You didn't want to hear it. And you're likely to break again. Fragile. So let's reverse engineer what's going on with this woman now that we've seen the extent of her pain. We know the ending from the beginning. We read that she has a child. The miracle happens. But I want you to take note of the order of events. This woman was broken. This woman was fragile. And yet she decided to serve the man of God. She was fragile, but yet she showed up and did something very ordinary. Let me tell you, Lighthouse Church, one of the best things you can do is keep showing up. Keep being consistent. Even in your pain, I'm telling you, even if it hurts to do it, keep showing up to the ordinary because then God may lead you into the extraordinary. And then you go from simply serving a meal to now making room. And when she made room for the prophet, that's when things began to change. And when the prophet came into the room, now he was in a position to heal her. Now he was in a position to deal with that disappointment. Because here's what I know about Jesus. He cannot heal what you will not reveal. I get that you don't want anybody in this room to know, but some of you haven't even taken it to Jesus yet. And he wants to heal the broken parts of your life, but you keep on concealing it. You show up and you put a smile on your face and you pretend as if you've got everything put together, but you've not healed from that disappointment yet. And it is only when Jesus steps into the room that he can begin to confront. Listen, he won't confront what you conceal. He won't. The beautiful thing about what he does is he invites you into the healing process. See, Jesus can heal you whenever, wherever, however he wanted to. Notice that it says Jesus won't, not Jesus can't. He can do anything. He can do anything. There's nothing he can't do. But he won't do it. Meaning, He's going to wait for you to be involved in the process. Meaning, he invites you 
to be a part. What does being a part look like? Just make room for him today, Lighthouse Church. That's the one thing I'm leading you to. He wants to heal your disappointment. He wants to heal your hurt. He wants to heal your pain. You got to stop standing at the doorway and believe that God is going to come and bring healing. Now, you might be saying, Pastor Josh, but what if it doesn't happen? Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Listen very closely. When you let him in, if he does not do the thing that you've been wanting him to do, then at a minimum, he's going to heal you. Come on. And how many of you want to finally get healed? I don't know. You really want healing. Not up here promising, prophesying that it's going to happen. We're not going to do that. But what I will promise you is, if he doesn't answer your prayer, he's going to heal you in the process. But he'll only heal you if you reveal it to him. Come on, let me pray for you. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and for your grace. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.